Let's go to Isaiah chapter 9 and verse number 6 and 7, and we're going we're gonna to get into this tonight. For the next three weeks, I'm teaching out of Isaiah chapter 9 on the topic, His Name Shall Be Called. Uh, some of you have heard me teach from this before, but tonight you're going to receive insight you've never, you've never heard from this passage of Scripture. Now, the curious thing about Isaiah is this, or I should say the incredible thing about Isaiah is this. He's the only prophet that saw the Messiah prophetically born and die in Isaiah. And you should do this maybe tonight. Read Isaiah chapter 9 and then read Isaiah chapter 53. And you will see Jesus being born in chapter 9. You'll see him being crucified in chapter 53. It's pretty wonderful when you read 9 and then 53 uh, simultaneously or one right after the other and it, because it shows you this incredible spectrum of God's love for his creation. So Isaiah, looking through the telescopic lens of prophecy in verse number 6 of chapter 9 says, For to us a child is born, to us, to who? Us. A son is given, and the government shall be on his shoulders. And his here's the title, and his name shall be called. Are you ready? Wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, and what? Prince of peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. Jesus didn't come to be king for a moment. He came to be king for eternity. The zeal of the Lord Almighty shall accomplish this. The zeal of the Lord. It literally means the vehemence of God, the fire of God, the passion of God shall accomplish this. I'm glad we're not only passionate about God, but God is passionate about his people. Now let's go through it. He says, his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor. His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor. The word name means a word by which a person is known. Name, a word by which a person is known. It is a word that describes a person. Okay, so to name is to appoint. Now, Isaiah does not know his name, but he knows the naming of the child because he says his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor. He didn't say his name shall be called Jesus. I hope you're following me. He just says when you say Jesus, you think Wonderful Counselor. Are you following that? His name, when you say his name, you're describing him as a wonderful counselor, a mighty God, an everlasting father, the prince of peace. But the first office that he occupies is the office of a wonderful counselor. And I believe this, that the cause of Christ's coming was to create curiosity in God's creation. Let me say it again. The cause of Christ's coming was to create curiosity in God's creation. Isaiah chapter 9 sees God dropping a wonder in the world. Verse 6. He sees God dropping a wonder in the world. You know what a wonder is? A wonder is a person that gets attention. How? By causing astonishment 
or curious admiration. That's what a wonder is. A person that gets attention by causing astonishment or curious admiration. Wonder means the cause of curiosity. Put that in the comments right now. The call, wonder, dash, the cause of curiosity. We're going somewhere with this. His name shall be called full of wonder. Wonderful. Wonder means the cause of curiosity. Curiosity is the uh, arousing of one's interest. It makes people inquisitive. It gets their attention. And God said, I'm going to drop a wonder in the world and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor. I started thinking about this one word and I'm going to track through it just for a moment. I want you to stay with me. The word is curiosity. I hit on this last year, but I didn't really unfold it. I didn't really circle it in like I'm going to do tonight. Curiosity, huge word, wonderful counselor, wonder to create curiosity, wonder to create curiosity. Curiosity at its core is all about noticing and being drawn to stuff that we're interested in. Going somewhere with this. Let me give you some practical things about curiosity because this thing has jumped in my spirit big time. I could just teach on curiosity tonight and get some stuff done, but someone once said, we feel alive and engaged, more capable of embracing opportunities and making connections and experiencing moments of insight and meaning when we are curious. I'm gonna read that again. We feel alive and engaged and more capable of embracing new opportunities and making connections and experiencing moments of insight and meaning when we remain curious. Wonderful counselor, wonder, the root word of wonderful, to create curiosity. I'm going to say it again. God dropped a wonder in the world to create curiosity in Christ. He's a wonderful counselor. Here's some practical things. Again, five ways that curiosity provides a more quality life. Five ways that curiosity creates a more quality life. Number one is health. Number one, health, okay? In 1996, I read this today as I was studying the subject of curiosity. 1996, a study was published in Psychology and Aging magazine and it said this, more than 1,000 older adults from age 60 to 86 were carefully observed over a five-year period. And researchers found that those who were rated as being more curious at the beginning of the study were more likely to be alive at the conclusion of the study. Did you hear that? Five-year period of studying people ages 60 to 86 and here's what they learned. The ones that were curious were still alive at the end of the study, not meaning that all the rest of them died. But everyone that lived in curiosity, always reaching, all of them were still alive. It is possible, they said, that declining curiosity is an initial sign of neuro neurological illness and declining health. But they wrote this, nonetheless, there are promising signs 
that enhancing curiosity reduces the risk of diseases and may even reverse some of the natural degeneration that occurs in older adults. Number one is health. Stay with me tonight. Curiosity. Number two is intelligence. Studies have shown that curiosity positively correlates with intelligence. Studies have shown that high levels of curiosity in adults are connected to greater analytical ability, problem-solving skills, and overall intelligence. And all of this suggests that cultivating more curiosity in our life is likely to make you smarter. Okay? So number two is intelligence. I'm going to keep going through it. Everyone say it in the comments. Curiosity. Put it on there. Social relationships is number three. Number three is social relationships. It is far easier to form and maintain. It's far easier to form and maintain satisfying, significant relationships when you demonstrate an attitude of openness and interest. All right? One of the top reasons why couples, here, here you go, married couples, one of the top reasons why couples seek counseling or therapy is because they become bored with each other. I'm, I, I'm telling you, this stuff is strong. This often will spark resentment and hostility. Communication will break down. There's a lack of interest in spending time together. Curious people report more satisfying relationships and more satisfying marriages. Happy couples describe their partners, listen to this, as interested, responsive, and curious. All right? Curious people ask questions, and they take an interest in learning their partners, not about their partners. They're curious to learn their spouses, and they intentionally try to keep interactions, interactions engaging and even playful. This supports good relationships. Man, this is practical stuff, but I'm telling you, it'll keep you. Number four, five keys to the power of curiosity. Number four is happiness. This one blew my mind. The Gallup organization recently reported the results of a survey conducted more than, listen, it's 130,000 people from 130 nations. A sample designed to represent 96% of the world's population. 96% of the world's population. The poll identified two factors that had the strongest influence on how much enjoyment a person has every day. You know what they are? Number one was being able to count on somebody to help them. No, just knowing that there was somebody out there that would help them. Number four is happiness. The second thing is that they learned something new yesterday. They were curious enough to learn something new. Finally, number five, keys to the power of curiosity. Number five is meaning. If we're going to find meaningful purpose or our calling in life, chances are good we will find it in something that will unleash our natural curiosity. The implications have much meaning for the passion we experience in life. I love this stuff.
The greater the range and depth of our curiosity, the more opportunities we have to experience things that, in that inspire us and excite us. From minute details to momentous occasions. Folks, I gave you five keys to the power of curiosity. But I'm going to tell you something right now. If there's one thing that I've noticed missing in the house of God is a curious attitude. Someone said this, we have moved from the industrial era to the information era. And curiosity is a fundamental piece of that movement. You know what you do every day when you wake up? Most people, first thing you do is pick up your phone. You know why? Because you're curious to see if you got any likes on the last post you posted before you went to bed last night. Or you're curious to see who commented on one of your posts? Or you're curious to see what someone is posting? If we could take that level of curiosity into the house of God that says, I am here because I know anything can happen tonight. I'm curious enough to go and find out what God's going to do tonight. We've lost the great adventure of serving God. And the great adventure of serving God is riding the vehicle called anticipation. The great adventure of serving God is riding the vehicle called anticipation. Anticipation is, is an essential element in curiosity. We need to get curiosity back in the people of God, back in the congregation, in the house of God. If we did, we would be jumping out of our cars, leaving the doors open and the motor running to get to the sanctuary to see what God's going to do today. I've been praying, God, bring that kind of wonder back to your house. Bring that kind of curiosity back to the people of God that we're filled with expectation and anticipation as we walk into the sanctuary knowing that the Spirit of God is going to move in this place today and somebody life going to be changed. Wonder to cause curiosity. If Christ is a wonderful counselor, then there ought to be curiosity in your life every day. You ought to be anticipating the revelation of something new about God that you did not experience before that time. Man, I'm telling you, Bring curiosity back to your life. I'll tell you another thing about curiosity. It's contagious. If you get a congregation full of people with an attitude that says tonight anything can happen, that fire in you starts jumping off on somebody else. And before long, you have an entire congregation that's curious about what's next in God. What's next? Going, what, what's going to happen next in this church? What's about to go off in this, in this building? If, you're not curious, if we're not curious, then why should anybody else be curious? If the people of God are not curious about our future, then why should the world look at us? When things are too common, I wrote this today, we lose curiosity. When things are too common, we lose curiosity. When things are too familiar, we lose the fascination that we had with it. <laughs> when we lose curiosity, we lose wonders. A lack of curiosity produces a deficit of spontaneity. Curiosity is the key to discovery. Curiosity is the key to discovery. Even Albert Einstein, I don't like everything he said, but some things he says, you got to go, wow, that's powerful. He said this, the important thing is not to stop questioning. 
I like that. It, because the root word of question is quest. Curiosity puts you on a quest. He said, never lose holy curiosity. Albert Einstein said that. Never lose holy curiosity. So we hit on it a while ago and we hit on it one more time. You know what the problem with the church is today? We're so common with the world that the world is no longer curious about what we have. We are so common with the world that the world is no longer curious about what we have. Are y'all sharing this? Somebody share it right now. Somebody share it. Hit your thumbs and hearts real quick. Curi there you go, Crystal. Put that in the comments. Curiosity puts you on a quest. Put it in the comments. Curiosity puts you on a quest. All right? Things are so common in church that curiosity has been replaced with complacency. I wrote that today. Things are so common in churches that curiosity has been replaced with complacency. You want me to say it one more time? I'm going to say it again. Things are so common in church, it's almost predictable. Mm. It's too familiar. Jesus can't do anything powerful. He can't do anything wonderful. He can't do anything miraculous where people are so familiar. Familiarity will absolutely kill the spontaneous moves of God. Things are so common in church that curiosity has been replaced with complacency. Let's, let's look at it. Jesus dropped a wonder, God dropped a wonder in the world called Christ to create curiosity in his creation. He came to Bethlehem, not some major city. That was already a wonder. That created curiosity. A king is going to be born in a stable? A king? A king is going to be born in a stable? Laid in a manger? What does that do? That creates curiosity. What kind of king is this? He was born in a manger, and that created curiosity in the shepherds. The wise men saw a star in the east, and it created curiosity in their hearts. The prophecy to, to the old Simeon, old Simeon in the sanctuary, created curiosity in the heart of Mary. At the age of 12, in Luke chapter 2, verse 47, he's teaching the teachers of the law, create, creating curiosity in their minds. Who is this? Oh, my God. Get the wonder back. Get the astonishment back. Get the amazement back. Get the curiosity back. Luke chapter 4, verse 22 says, And all bear him witness and wondered at the gracious words which proceeded out of his mouth. And they said, is not this Joseph's son? His teaching created curiosity everywhere he went. You know what Joshua said before the Israelites crossed over Jordan? He said, sanctify yourselves because tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. Here's my question tonight. Are you curious enough to care about your life? Are you curious enough about what God's about to do that you would live a sanctified life? Are you that curious? He wants to do wonders among us, but he's waiting for us to build our curiosity. Curiosity is also an element of faith. It says, man, what is God about to do? But I'm telling you, he does not release wonders until, until we live a life of sanctification. Sanctify yourselves today for tomorrow. He's going to be a wonderful counselor. He shall do wonders among you. 
A wonderful counselor consoles you. He's a consoler. He comforts you. A counselor comforts you. The book of Hebrews and the book of 1 John tells us he's a mediator. As a counselor, he does not only console, but he also mediates. A counselor is also an advisor. A counselor is also an advisor. Many are the plans of a man's heart, but God's purpose shall prevail. Jeremiah said it like this. He said, I have plans to prosper you and to give you a bright future. You need to understand that tonight. Let me find that scripture for you real quick. You all know it right now. You already know what it says, but I'm going to read it to you real quick, okay? Here it is, Jeremiah 29, 10. For I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. So the wonderful counselor consoles you. The wonderful counselor mediates for you as a lawyer. He stands for you. Remember the woman caught in the act of adultery? The wonderful counselor knelt down in the dirt. And the third thing the wonderful counselor does is he gives you advice because he's got a wonderful plan for your life. He's the wonderful, his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor. We could say it like this. His name shall be called the Curious Counselor. He's so good that he always creates curiosity in us wanting to know what is he going to do next. I pray you share this tonight. I really do. I pray you'll share it because somebody needs to know his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor. For the next few Wednesdays, I'm going to be right here or somewhere in this house teaching his name shall be called. Your life is going to change. This is not just Christmas season. This is curious season. All right? I love you guys. Giovanna, did you did you do the drawing, babe? She's, she's going to do it in just one minute. She's going to bring the name over here. We're going to let you know who won this $50 gift card tonight. Again, tag people that you know are in need. And I'm going to be a blessing to them next Wednesday. One of them, I'm going to choose one to be a blessing to. Will you lift your hands right there where you are? Man, I feel the Holy Ghost in my house. I know that sounds funny, but man, I feel the anointing right now. Lift your hands in your house right now. Father, for Quest Nation, Quest Church, and those on a quest, I speak your blessing over every family. If anybody watching tonight has not given their life to you, I pray, God, that they would receive Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Lord, would you come into their heart? Would you be their Lord and Savior? Would you open your heart tonight? The Bible says if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, you shall be saved. Right there where you are, would you ask Jesus Christ to come into your heart and be your Lord and Savior? Just right now, ask God to forgive you of all your sins and to cleanse you of all your iniquities. Right now, he'll do it that fast. And he'll come into your heart. The greatest day of my life was when I was a young man, 15 years old, and I walked to an altar and gave my life to Jesus. My life has never been the same since that day. The light turned on and darkness dissipated out of my life. God loves you that much. He wants to save you. For those of you who need to be healed right now, he's in the room. There's a healer in your house. Anybody suffering that's watching from COVID-19, he's in your house right now. The healer is in your house right now. He's healing you right now. We speak against sickness and disease. Father, we thank you right now. If, those, if you're away from God, would you come home tonight? Would you come home? 
You know, the parable of the prodigal son is really about the, the father, the loving father, more than it is the prodigal son. The prodigal son, I mean, the prodigal son came to his senses and said, if I can get to my father's house, I'll just ask him if I can be a servant. But when the father saw him on his way home, he said, my son, he didn't say my servant. He said, my son that was, a de was dead is now alive. He said, kill the fatted calf and get the ring, get my robe and get sandals for his feet. My son who was dead is now alive. Would you come home? Would you come home tonight? Would you come back to Jesus tonight? The father's waiting on you with open arms. We speak it tonight in Jesus' name. Folks, we love you. And we bless you. Success to you and success to the kingdom. Mm -hmm.